Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Well, guys, uh, we continue our summer previews with a look at the teams Northwestern will not play uh, in 2020. Uh, and tonight we are looking at the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Greg Schiano coming back. Is he the prodigal son come home? Um, I mean, they've got nowhere to go but you, up. Are, are you uh, looking for a spoiler? <laughs> who, who can we petition so that Northwestern can play this team this year? Uh Unclear at this point, but uh, <laughs> I mean, Shiano is a defensive guy, but can you really do anything with the Rutgers defense as god awful as it was last year? I mean, this is so stupid. We've made a lot of jokes at Rutgers' expense um, over all the years we've been doing this pod. The main one, Sam has been taking the lead with this one, calling them Rutger, as in Rutger Hauer. As in Rutger, Howard, the Scarlet Knights, still in the Big Ten. Thank you. I'll be here all week. Tip your waitresses. <laughs> <laughs> but serious, but seriously, this is just getting stupid. This defense absolutely sucks. Has sucked. Will continue to absolutely blow. Do not buy into any of this Greg Schiano is a defensive coach hype. Uh, he managed to strike lightning once in the old Big East which was a light year's worse conference than the current Big Ten. And the idea that he is somehow going to right this ship is just ludicrous. Remember, Rutgers has gotten worse pretty much every single season since it joined the conference, especially on defense. So well, so there's one, there's one caveat, though, and that is that the a condition of him coming back to Rutgers was the state of New Jersey pledging to upgrade the facilities and increase the coaching uh, salary pool. So like that is, that is a, a, that is certainly re- something reasonable reason to believe that he could have some influence. But I think um, your point about the big East uh, is the point that, that nobody's really talking about right now. I just, the like, again, not to step on your side of things, Scuzz, but like, Muhammad Sanu was a long effing time ago. Like, this team Ray, came... Ray Rice was right. uh, a long effing time ago. This team came into the conference with talent on both sides of the ball. Like, and then as they just fell flat on their face, which was many years ago, that talent stopped coming. So, like, facilities improvement are up against the fact that in the Big Ten, Rutgers has no place. And never has. And, again, so, it's like, this starts with this god-awful defense. And, like, okay, for him to measurably improve this defense, I mean, last year we outlined the fact that Rutgers fielded the number four pass defense in the conference simply because no one bothered to throw against them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my favorite stat. Yeah, in other words... How low they rank in any given statistical category on defense just depends on what opponents decide to do to them. So in 2019, last year, Rutgers gave up 200 rush yards a game, good for last in the conference, 
and there were still enough pass yards left over to push them down to 11th in the Big Ten in pass defense. So unsurprisingly, this was the worst scoring defense in the conference. And now we get to this yearly dog and pony show where I pretend it matters who they lost on defense and who they bring back. So technically, they lose their top performers on the D-line. But since no Scarlet Knight had more than three sacks last year, do we care? Uh, In the secondary, they intercepted a total of six passes. So again, who cares? Linebacker would be the one area where we could at least highlight a few names. Tyshawn Fogg and Olakunle Farakasi combined for 189 tackles. Um, But this pretty much mirrors the linebacker tandem from last year that those two guys replaced. Um, And, I mean, they start three guys, but only two of them made a statistical contribution last year or this year. They just were two different guys last year than they were uh, two different guys in 2018 than in 2019. And basically, you can sum up either of those tandems as half-decent players grabbing at the jersey of guys running free into the second level. Because that's what the front four of Rutgers is doing for them. So, I'll close by highlighting what has become a bit of a joke in this particular year, which is Rutgers' absolutely hilarious reliance on the transfer portal. So, given this transfer portal, who has old Greg lured in on the defensive side of the ball? Well, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Brendan White was a former four-star recruit at Ohio State who at least played some. He has 65 career tackles in Columbus. And... That ought to be more than enough to get him a starting spot at defensive back for Rutgers. He would, he would I, I would say, would be by far the top name here. Um, like, he's going to start at Rutgers, no doubt about it, in that he wore the scarlet and gray and did not disgrace himself. He will start for Rutgers. Um, on the defensive line, they bring in another former four-star Buckeye in Malik Barrow. But this is a guy who has just been devastated by injuries. Um, he had medically retired, then changed his mind, transferred to UCF, played briefly in four games, and then transferred again. So, I mean, this is a guy who, you know, it's it's been a rough road. There's also Michael Dwumfor, um, who somehow signed with Michigan, despite not being a highly rated recruit out of high school. Uh, put up 36 career tackles with Michigan and is now at Rutgers. So in other words, there's a reason why some guys grad transfer and there's a reason why some guys grad transfer to Rutgers. It's not like they just found some magical solution here. Like these are not impact players that Rutgers is bringing in. If Shiano somehow improves this team, at least in his first year, um, It's going to make what he did the first time he was at Rutgers defensively look like a cakewalk. So uh, I've already talked about this defense for too long. So go ahead, Scus. (laughs) Yes, Scus. Anything to write home about offensively for the Scarlet Knights? Well, they do have eight quarterbacks on the roster right now. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah, apparently they're stockpiling quarterbacks. Um, So... If you were to listen to last year's, um, well, first let me let me start by saying that Rutgers is 13th or 14th in every offensive category. Um, the their rushing 
offense, I think, was fourth worst in the Big Ten. Their passing offense was second only to us. Uh, they're real bad, real bad. Um, a bunch of games they scored no points. Like they haven't thrown. I think I think there's something like they haven't thrown a touchdown pass in 40 games or something. That's not actually true. Or maybe to a wide receiver. I can't remember. It's crazy. They're horrible. Um, going into the season, I talked a lot about Artur Sitkowski. He was a kid um, who had a pretty good pedigree coming out of high school. Was supposed to be, you know, pretty good and memorably, you know, decommitted. Maybe I think from Miami. Could be, could be. Um, wasn't sip, he IMG could, Academy? Could yeah. be, could be sipping my ties on South Beach right now. But no, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, he. I mean, he struggled, right? He struggled in college um, at Rutgers. I mean, Sikowski's freshman year, like he, he threw a lot. I mean, they basically threw him into the teeth of of or threw him into the into the into the fire. Um, Eighteen picks, fifty percent completion. It was. It was real rough and McLean Carter transferred out in into um Rutgers from Texas Tech and played a little bit toward the end of the year you know going into last season you thought McLean might be the guy you thought maybe Sikowski could improve um neither of those things happened uh Sikowski's numbers were better uh, but that was against the early season you know bad teams and then he ended up getting getting surpassed by Johnny Langan uh, uh, a transfer from Boston College Add to that mix um, two guys. Uh, one, Baylor transfer Peyton Powell, a four-star recruit who hadn't played at Baylor, uh, but comes in. That's that's pretty interesting. And then Noah Vidral, um, the guy who played uh, sparingly and, and pretty well, I might add, for Nebraska last season. Uh, before that was at UCF, uh, followed... Um, Followed Coach Frost when he came to Nebraska. Put up decent numbers, um, kind of, against uh, Minnesota and Indiana last year in terms of, like, completion percentage. Um, no TDs, but also didn't throw any picks. Um, little dual thready. He kind of runs a bit. The, the the read on Rutgers this year, they've replaced their offensive coordinator. They hired in a guy from Oklahoma State. Uh who will almost certainly go with a dual threat approach at the quarterback position. And they have a bevy of guys to choose from. Um, I guess this OC Gleason is also known for playing multiple quarterbacks at the same time. So you could see certainly envision a player like the lining up in a tight end or fullback or, you know, weird wing T type thing where they do some trickeration. So um, I guess maybe they're banking on some, some fun entertainment in the Rutgers offense this year. Uh, other stuff to note. I mean, they just have a disastrous lack of talent, right? Like the, the wide receiver group is real rough. Um, they, they, they keep their top two guys, but they lost number three and four. The depth wasn't great to begin with. Um, running backs last year. So, uh, they had two guys coming in like Rutgers, even, even in this time period of being pretty bad at, at everything. Um, the running game has been all right. Uh, Raheem Blackshear was pretty good a couple of years ago. He got banged up last season, only ended up rushing the ball 30 times. Um, Isaiah Pacheco uh, emerged and had a decent year, seven TDs, averaged four, 4.3 yards per carry, uh, close to 800 yards. So pretty decent, 
but they lose their two best run blocking offensive linemen. They're bringing in a new scheme. We're in a global pandemic. I don't know. It doesn't look good for these guys. You could envision a a scenario like across offense and defense, like John mentioned with all these transfers coming in where they start to maybe like gel and come together toward the end of the season. Um, what do you, what do you, I was going to say, like oh, when they play, when they get sent into the wood chipper. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They ain't going to win the games at the end of the season. So this is going to look like a real rough one for no, this, this, this year is going to, is going to take, it's going to put a huge dent in whatever Greg Schiano's coaching record is. Uh, so let's talk about the Rutgers schedule. Um, they open up at home against Monmouth in Syracuse, then, uh, head to Philly to take on Temple, uh, at Ohio State, home against Illinois, at Purdue, home against Indiana and Nebraska, at Maryland, home against Michigan, at Michigan State, home against Penn State. Yeah, that's uh, what I was talking about right there. <laughs> yeah. So you got, you got, um, the easiest cross conference, uh, tr- uh, trio, uh, in Illinois, Purdue, and Nebraska. I mean, Purdue's gonna beat this, the crap out of them, but, you know, on paper, you've got three of the the worst teams in the West, but uh, it's not going to matter, is it? They they lost to Illinois thirty eight to ten last year, and they and and oh, I guess they didn't play Nebraska, but um, I mean I they lost to Maryland forty eight to seven. It's one I know. It's one of those crazy reality checks where you're like, there are some teams on their schedule who suck, like. You got, I mean, Illinois is out here, Maryland is out here, even throw in Nebraska, and then you're like, yeah, but these teams just pound Rutgers. Um, their Rutgers truly is a bad, I mean, like, some of these defenses, I mean, like, the Maryland defense, if Rutgers can score against, if Rutgers, let's put it this way, if Rutgers can't score against that Maryland defense, they'll score zero points the rest of the season. And I'm not under, I like, I, I'm, I'm being literal here. Maryland's defense is that bad. Um, I don't know, like, kind of what Temple is as a football team. I would assume Rutgers is better than Monmouth. Syracuse is gonna friggin' flatten them. That's gonna be a bloodbath. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, like, again, you want to look here and you want to paint some optimistic scenario where it's like, well, things break the right way. Monmouth, Temple, Illinois, Maryland, that's four wins. But then it's like, yeah, but Illinois and Maryland smoked them. So, I don't know. I mean, realistically, you know, like, probably the most likely scenario is 2-10 and 10 and they go over in the conference again. Um, you know, and it's like, and we're having the same discussions we're always having about how this team doesn't belong. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I again, I, I would say Illinois or Maryland, if you want a conference win, those would be the ones I would circle. Oofta. I think uh, Shiano's toll record at, at, at Rutgers right now is 68 and 67. <laughs> he's gonna have a real no wonder he didn't want to come back he's gonna have a real hole to climb out of to get to get back it, to uh well, to a winning it, record in college and it's it's wild to talk about too because that 68 and 67 he left riding high that team mm-hmm. got really good and when he started out they were absolute garbage and he put up a couple of two and ten you know whatever seasons to start things off and was able to turn it around in when he got old, when he when he got there in 2001 they had been to one bowl in right. 131 seasons. Right. And again, but in the old Big East. And but I but he took him he took him to six to six bowl games and won five of them. 
Right. Like, no, I know. And it's like, but I mean, he built, but he built that program up in a conference that is just on a totally different plane. And I mean, it took you, him a while to do it too, right? Right. Like if, if you look, the best way to paint this is on October 10th, they're going to play Purdue. And on October 17th, they're going to play Indiana. And those are going to be massacres. Um, those two offenses are going to score all the points against Rutgers. And it's like those two defenses, Purdue's defense is awful. Indiana's defense is, is kind of bad. It's not going to matter. Those two teams are going to blow the doors off of Rutgers. And those are not the top teams on Rutgers' schedule by any stretch of the imagination. So, I mean, it's just like the mountain that he has to climb here. I, you know, I I don't see how he's ever going to get in the realm where he's competing, you know, with any of the other teams, even in the East. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's... it's- it's interesting the the calculus that brought him back here, you know, um, because like obviously he there was that well publicized um, fiasco at Tennessee where Tennessee was about to name him head coach or, or did they name him head? I mean, I, yeah, I, they offered him. I, I think it was I think it was a done deal. And they, it was it was it was a fun twenty four hours. It was um, it was wild and I, like. I, I this is I think this is one of those situations where like two wrongs don't make a right. Like Shiano had some sort of involvement or, or was on the staff at Penn State, I think, um, during the Sandusky things, and may or may not have known something or other, which is maybe like I I think that's a valid reason to not want somebody coaching your team. I don't think that the Tennessee fan base really cared two wicks about that. I think it was all about they just didn't. They didn't think he was up, you know, to, to Tennessee par. Um, and like, so he, he kept on as a, as an assistant with, with urban at Ohio state. And then seemed like he was going to retire. Like he was done, right? Like he, he left, he left Ohio state. He went to the Patriots and then took a leap, like, like essentially left the Patriots of his own volition. And um, I mean, the calculus to, to come back to, Rutgers and try to recreate what he did before, which is going to be that much harder given everything we've talked about, conference talent, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, I mean, I like, so I've, I've been, I've been reading pick six previews a lot and, and uh, the guys there liken this to um, the Kansas state coach, uh, Bill Snyder, who put that program on the ma- on the map and then left and then came back to fix, you know, the disaster that, that, um, proceeded to occur in his wake but i don't i really don't think that shiano can fix this (laughs) no and and i mean like snyder got to at least work in the big 12 north right the old the old big 12 north like the big 10 east ain't that like this is an absolute mountain and right to your point i think this idea that he's riding in as a savior i i don't there's the list of Division One football coaches who would hire Greg Schiano. To your point, is a short list, um, and Rutgers is is clearly the best fit. But we know that Rutgers has been a dumpster fire off the field in terms of their athletic department yeah. and all the problems that have been going on. And it's kind of like a you know a marriage of convenience here that is framed as 
the old savior riding in once again. And it's like it's not really that when you peel well, back the layers. Well, so we would he, be remiss got, if we would did not if we did not remind folks of the disaster that happened in the NFL at Tampa Bay when he right. became coach there. And I mean, his locker room basically rebelled. Right. Yeah. So this is again, it's like it's it truly does feel like this amazing confluence of circumstances that allowed him to to rise to the top and Rutgers and not to take anything away like that happened. Um, and 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 Rutgers was made. That's how Rutgers got into the Big Ten in the first place. But um, that was a a foolhardy move at the time. Well, well, that and having the having the um, misfortune to be a school that existed in the New York TV market. Mm-hmm. Yep. So right. So Shiano's got an eight year deal at Rutgers. Can I get odds on it? will he or will he not finish his contract at Rutgers as the head, oh, their head coach? Oh no, no, sir. Um, I don't see any middle ground here. Do you guys? I I don't see any way that Rutgers improves to five or six wins a season, and on five or six wins a season with an occasional seventh, Shiano makes it to year eight. It's boomer bust. In some miracle that he brings them to 10 wins or something, he's going to get hired by someone else, probably an NFL job or something. I don't know what, but I, I just don't see anything other than, you know. And then the, and the most likely scenario is that they just suck and he doesn't make a blip and three or four years later they go looking for something else. I You know. The problem is that I mean, the number one thing he needs is the infusion of money and support to to revolutionize this program. And I mean, it's kind of like Fitzgerald coming into Northwestern, but there was I don't know there was so much there was so much at Northwestern when that happened. Um, and Northwestern doesn't play in the Big Ten East either. I guess, like just looking at the pecking order, like could Rutgers eclipse Maryland? Sure maybe like disaster befalls Michigan state in this post Antonio world. And they are just, they're just not able to get it together for a few years. And that lets Rutgers kind of like stake claim to, to fifth best in the East. But I just, unless Tom Allen suddenly leaves, I don't like they've got so far to go to catch Indiana and the resources will, will never allow them to catch Penn state, Michigan state or Ohio state with any consistency. So, I mean like fit fifth in the conference or fifth in their division with maybe a couple of wins from the other, from the other conference every year. I mean, that's that right. Ain't great. I, I mean, again, it's like, it bears mentioning, even though we've kind of been hammering this point, it's not that they're the worst team in the big 10. It's that there's the 13th worst team and then a massive chasm and then Rutgers. Like a lot of the, like most years they play Ohio state, Michigan, Penn state, they don't score. Like it's, that's where we are right now. So it's like well, this. Well, that's a really good point. Cause I think like, I think it could be easy to mistake Rutgers for like a potential Minnesota. Cause Minnesota was never, ever where you just described John. Like, right. Right. Like in, in the, you know, they had the weird, um, did they hire uh, Jerry Kill right after Canning? Oh, it was Brewster. It was, um, Tim Brewster. Brewster, Brewster yeah. was was pretty awful. Um, but it was three years of awful following, you know, however many years with Glenn Mason of being 
really good. They just couldn't get pat, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't break into the 10 win territory. Um, and so it was three years of, of mediocrity instead of, you know, the, the eight or nine that Rutgers, Rutgers has had under, under morons, Kyle flood and Chris Ash, let's be honest. Um, and Minnesota didn't have nearly the mountain to climb because it, it was Wisconsin and Iowa in their and, and Northwestern and Nebraska, right? Like that is just a different order of operations than Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, uh, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State, right? Like it's just it's just very very different, and the 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 corollary is Illinois. Actually, the the one analogy that kind of popped to my mind was early 1980s Northwestern. Like, how many times yeah. went back in the dark ages were, were they saying kick Northwestern out of the Big Ten? Right. Oh, I think what this should hammer home is, first of all, that it truly is one of the great miracles ever in in sports, what happened at Northwestern and what we were able to build. I mean, truly is – because the old strength of the Big Ten relative to Northwestern was just on another plane. And, like, Gary Barnett and what he did, I mean, it, it it's one of those things we were – our fan base is literally more aware of this. We could not be more preaching to the choir. But if you compare that to, let's say, Shiano, there was a lot of Wild West going on in the Big East at that point. I mean, I – you know, a lot of that was going on at the same time where you had that crazy period of time where USF was really good and – um, you know, I think of that era and time. I think of were, Jeremy, were those the you know, Bobby Petrino Louisville years? I think so. But you had that stretch of time where there was like there was the one year right where the number one team in the nation switched like three or four in three or four consecutive weeks, and you know you were talking about teams in the top ten, top five like Rutgers and USF and all these really weird teams. Um, and it it was that was the kind of climate like the you know you had the Big East going on and then realignment going on and a lot of crazy things and in the midst of that Rutgers was able to put together a really special run behind a really you know really special players chiefly among them Ray Rice and I think again it was this mix of Rutgers has always, for whatever reason, been attractive to certain New Jersey football players, um, some of whom, you know, it's not like New Jersey doesn't generate four-star talent. They do. Um, and the I think between that and how much flux the conference was in and a little luck and good coaching by Shiano, they were able to put it all together. But I don't think that was remotely like what happened at Northwestern, and I certainly don't think it's something that can be repeated. Well, lest we uh, you know bore ourselves to death talking about Rutgers any more than than we absolutely have to, well, let's go ahead and leave it there for uh, the Rutgers preview. Uh, head to our website westlotpirates.com where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at westlotpirates, and email the show westlotpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. Look for us in the West Lot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Scasbo, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.